Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 as we are currently doing studies in the Christ of life, the life of Christ. And uh, we're in the Sermon on the Mount, starting chapter 6 this morning, verses 1 through 4. And it deals with our giving. It deals with our giving. This part of the Sermon on the Mount deals with the Lord's word about holy behavior. And he covers the subject beginning here in Matthew 6 about holy behavior in our giving. All right. And, uh, and this, this portion is covered from Matthew 6 through chapter 7, verse 23. It's almost two whole chapters on the subject. This first section deals with our good will to fellow man. The true righteousness of the kingdom of God has to be real in everything that we do in everyday life. This is the importance in the rest of the Sermon on the Mount. In other words, our words have to match our works. What we say is what people should see us do. We claim to be a Christian, then they should see Christian behavior in our life. Again, to do otherwise is a contradiction and an insult to God. Jesus related this principle of, of our giving to our relationship to God in worship of Him in verses 1 through 18, and our relationship to material things in verses 19 through 34, and our relationship to other people in chapter 7, verses 1 through 20. Jesus also warned about the danger of being a hypocrite in verse 2, 5, and 16. That is the sin of using religion to cover up sin. Now, a hypocrite isn't somebody who doesn't have high standards or who sins sometimes because all of us sin. All of us experience falling short. A hypocrite is somebody who purposely uses religion to cover up their sins and to seek their own gains. The Greek word translated hypocrite originally meant an actor who wears a mask. The righteousness of the Pharisees wasn't sincere and it was dishonest. They practiced, or could say they performed, their religion for men to see and to get praise of man. So uh, you know, they, they didn't do it for God. They were performers. But true righteousness must come from the inside. We should test ourselves to see whether we're sincere and honest in our commitment to Jesus Christ. And in chapter 6, Jesus applied this test to different areas of life. And here he starts out with our giving. Let's look at verse 1 of chapter 6. Jesus said, Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men, to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Like I said, he starts out with giving. The phrase charitable deeds here in the New King James, or it's called alms in the Old King James Version, I'm going to use inter, uh, interchangeably, charitable, de charitable deeds and, and alms is, is both the same. This is talking about giving charity to the poor and the needy. This isn't talking about giving your tithes and offerings to the church for the ministry of the church. Giving alms or charitable deeds is not a part of your tithes and offerings. Now, a lot of Christians think that giving to their favorite charity or missionary or somebody in need 
uh, they think that that replaces or is the same as giving their tithes and offerings on Sunday morning. It is not. Or some people think that, well, you know, I'm just I'm serving the Lord. I'm doing a service for God. That covers my tithes and offerings. No, it doesn't. You are to give of your tithes to the church first. Then anything else you want to give after that, after you give to the church, is a love offering. Okay? Um, again, so if, you're, if you have found a church that you're attending and you're getting fed there and you really like it and this is where you want to go to church, then that's where you give your tithe and your offering. Then if you feel like giving somewhere else for something else, some, uh, a, a good deed or, or a good need, <clears throat> then again, that's, that's above an, uh, the tithe and the offering, and, and that's your love offering, and that's fine. Alms or your charitable deeds is simply charity for the needy. The word alms is defined as mercy. It, comes, uh, it becomes uh, an essential part of a person's character. It means more than the expression of pity and compassion rather than the outward manifestation of one's character. True charitable deeds involves compassion and mercy. And charitable deeds also needs to involve wisdom as well as compassion and mercy. We are not to give blindly when it comes to our giving. Our almsgiving is for those in such terrible need that it really draws us, it really draws our pity towards them, like, like orphans or, or elderly widows, uh, the maimed, the sick, the blind. So if this principle was properly followed, we wouldn't be giving to just anybody that appears to be in need. And there's a lot of people who put on a really good show when it says, hey man, can you lend a hand? which often does a lot more harm if we give to them than it does good because it encourages idleness. It encourages self-indulgence. Ezekiel 16, 49 says this, Look, this was the iniquity of your sister Sodom. She and her daughter had pride. They were, had fullness of food and abundance of idleness. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy. What that was saying is that the people were proud, they were haughty, they were overfed, they were idle, but they weren't concerned about the poor and the needy. The healthy and strong beggars who would take advantage of the generosity of others are not entitled to receive alms. 2 Thessalonians 3.10 tells us, Paul says, For even when we were with you, we commended you this, If anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. So you see, when we support the lazy, we are helping them to stay in their position. That's why the word says we need to seek wisdom in our giving. When, when, when we do our charitable deeds, there are some duties so clear and obvious that it shouldn't be necessary to remind them uh, <coughs> excuse me, of their obligation to do them. Now, even though Jesus doesn't pressure the duty of giving alms here, there are many places in the Bible that emphasizes this duty. Leviticus 25, 35, listen to what it says. If, if one of your brethren becomes poor and falls into poverty among you, then you shall help him like a stranger or a so, sojourner that he may live with you. Deuteronomy 15, 7 and 8. If there is among you a poor man of your brethren within any of the gates in your land which the Lord your God has given you, you shall not harden your heart, nor shut your hand from your poor brother, but you shall open your hand wide to him and willingly, 
Lend him sufficient for his need, whatever he needs. Job 29, 16, Job said, I was a father to the poor. Psalm 41, 1, the psalmist said, Blessed is he who considers the poor. Psalm 82, 4, the psalmist said, Deliver the poor and the needy. Proverbs 14, 21 says, He who has mercy on the poor, happy is he. Proverbs 19, 17, He who has pity on the poor, lends to the Lord. But Jesus gave the warning. He said, Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. So the main emphasis of Jesus when it comes to your goodwill towards your fellow man is, is, is this is not an encouragement to do your, uh, uh, is not an encouragement to do your duty in giving of alms. It's a, rather a warning about how you do your almsgiving. Thus the warning, take heed. Jesus' warning is about impressing others when you give. That is, I'm giving for the purpose of people seeing me and praising me and telling me, oh, what a, what a great man or woman of God you are. And it's a very serious warning here. First of all, the words take heed is a command. It's a command. God's commands are not to be taken lightly. God's commands are important. And they aren't commands that we can pick and choose because they're not, you know, they're not optional. God gives us a command we're to follow through in obedience. Take heed. It means to be attentive. It means to beware. It means to guard yourself. It means do everything that you can not to fall into sin. So the meaning of the warning also emphasizes the seriousness of the warning. Take heed. Take heed is in the present tense, which means to be constantly alert when it comes to this warning. It says this evil is always before us. This evil of wanting to be seen, of wanting to be applauded by men. That evil is always before us, and Jesus condemns it here. We can't let our guard down. The motive for giving is what's being addressed here by Jesus. Giving just to be seen and just for men to praise us, that really shows the moral quality of what we're doing or the nature of the deed. And Jesus is condemning that here. Now, God is not condemning the giving, but the way it's given in front of people. And later on, Jesus will exhort people to give their alms in an unnoticeable way to avoid showing off. But the point here is that Jesus isn't isn't condemning giving in front of people, but a giving so that it's sure to be seen in front of men and receive praise from the one, not to be seen of men and to be, uh, not to receive the praise of men. Jesus condemns the motive behind the giving your own so that men will praise uh, the Lord. Okay, the, the, so men will not praise you for it. Now, what happens if you ignore this command that Jesus gives? Well, it's pretty obvious that, that, that this warning is pretty much ignored by everybody in society today and even in a lot of churches. It's pretty clear that this condemnation by Jesus, again, is just, you know, it's not very popular. We often see people emphasizing and practicing giving for the praise of men. You know, people, you know, when when benefits are put on, people show up at benefits to, to be seen more than to help out at the benefit. Some churches even use recognition 
forgiving their promotion uh, in, in their uh, forgiving in their promotional programs. It's basically, you know, look at me. For example, some churches, you know, if you give so much, you know, if you're the if you're the biggest tither for the month, you know, you may have a sign in the parking lot with your name on it. Hey, you know, it says uh, big biggest tithers for the month. You may you may get a plaque in the hall with your picture on there and say, you know, tither of the month. So you know, this is what it's talking about, or a pew, and it has your name right there. <laughs> biggest donor of the month. The churches do that. They really do. But again, it's not for the glory of God. Hey, it's to keep those, those dollar bills coming in. You know, and, and, and this is exactly what Jesus said, hey, we are not to do. The consequences of not listening to the Lord's warning is this. In verse 1, you have no reward from your Father in heaven for whatever it is you're doing. If you ignore the warning to take heed about making yourself seen, you lose your reward. If your charitable deeds are done for nothing more than getting people's attentions, you will not get your reward from God for your charitable deeds. And it doesn't matter how large or how impressive the thing that you did, God is not going to recognize it, and you will receive no reward for it. Giving to be seen by men and to receive their applause or to bolster your reputation among men because of uh, your generosity and goodness, it will never get any reward from God. Because they're really not done for God. So they won't be accepted by God. They really don't have any true godliness behind them. So he is not going to reward them. Jesus says, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Now think about that. What a great loss that is. I mean, the loss is the greatest among rewards because it's a heavenly reward. Think about it. You know, the rewards that we get here on earth, you know, you know, you work at a job for five years. I remember my first five years, I got this little tight class. Okay, five years. You know, 10 years, I got another one, 10 years, you know. You know, if you're in sports, you get trophies. Where do they end up after a while? In a box, in the attic, or down somewhere where they're out of the way, in the garage. Because they don't last long. They don't hold their, their, their glory. It's, it's fine for the moment, but after that, they're, they're put away or thrown away. But think of a heavenly reward. Nothing on earth, no trophy, no you know, recognition with a little pin, how long you worked at a place. None of that can compare to a heavenly reward. Even that being the case. Most, again, even though the, the, the rewards here are temporal and, you know, they don't they lose their glory even that being the case most men still look for earthly rewards more than uh, heavenly rewards eternity will be like a desert for these people in other words wanting and looking for the praise of people over the praise of god is such a total waste of time and energy not only that but looking for the praise of people You have to lower yourself to their standards in order to get it. But we must live our lives with our eyes on heaven, looking for heaven. But those whose priority is on earthly things, temporal rewards, they don't have eternity in their mind. Look at verse 2 now. 
Therefore, all right, that's in light of what he just said in verse 1. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory, notice, from men. That they may have glory from men. He says, I say to you, they have their reward. Here Jesus now is doubling down on his warning to make sure that you clearly understand what he said. By giving you an example of what showing off looks like. The evil that he's warning people about. Jesus gives an example of this showboating and how some people give in their day, in his day, how they gave in his day. It's the Pharisees that he's obviously talking about. So the expression of sounding a trumpet is probably figurative because um, there doesn't seem to be any sign or trace of, of such a custom on the part of of one who was giving alms in the scriptures. So the expression has to be taken figuratively for, for somebody who made, a, uh, made a, a display of themselves. It's like when we would say tooting our own horn, which is a figure of speech or bringing attention to yourself. Hey, look at me. Look what I've done. Look what I'm doing. The point that Jesus is making here with the sounding of the trumpet is, is that of getting attention. Getting uh, attention for the things that you do for the Lord. In particular, here is charitable deeds. It's totally condemned by Jesus. The trumpet speaks of a selfish tactic to get people to look at you, making some noise or some, gest- or some way for people to see you, to make what you're doing look important. And a lot of people act like this, even with other things than just charitable deeds. It's simply nothing more than, it's all about me. Look what I'm doing. They want others to see them. They want others to notice them. And and here's their reason. That they may have glory from men, Jesus said. The example that Jesus gives here, he's condemning the motivation of seeking personal glory in a person's charitable deeds. The Pharisees did their charitable deeds strictly for the praise of men. They'd go out on the street corner with their beautiful robes and they'd stand out there and pray and people would pass by and go, oh, look at him. That was the way the Pharisees did it. Strictly for the praise of men so that they could be admired. Oh, they could be lifted up as good, holy, godly men. And this would help them in getting what they want. Being admired, hey, and being praised, it does feel good. It's a natural emotion. It's a natural thing. It's it's, it's a common desire. Who doesn't like to be praised? You know, and and when I used to work, uh, a job prior to ministry, you'd often hear employees say, well, I never get recognized. I never get recognition for what I do around here. You know, it's something people want. But Jesus puts the desire for men's praise and recognition on the forbidden list here in these verses. Doing something and anything so that we may have glory from men is a sinful reason for doing it. And God's word makes it very clear that our motive behind what we do for the Lord must be for his glory and his glory only and not my glory. And Paul makes it very clear in 1 Corinthians 10, 31. He said, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Paul said in Galatians 5, 26, in the King James Version, let us not be desirous of vain glory. And when I hear, uh, you know, again, these, these 
passages and these um, exhortations about, you know, not taking glory from God and, and, and robbing God of his glory. I, I think of a couple of passages. I think of King Nebuchadnezzar when, you know, he went out and thought his kingdom was great and it was all to his glory. And we see what God did to him then. But I think of, the, of King Herod in the book of Acts, and I want to share it with you. It says in Acts 12, 20 through 23, it says, Now Herod was very angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon. So they sent a delegation to make peace with him because their cities were dependent upon Herod's country for food. The delegates won the support of Blastus, Herod's personal assistance, and an appointment with Herod was granted. When the day arrived, an appointment with okay, and when the day arrived, Herod put on his royal robes. He sat on his throne and he made a speech to them. The people gave him a great ovation and they shouted, "Oh, it's the voice of a god and not of a man." Instantly, an angel of the Lord struck Herod with a sickness because he accepted the people's worship instead of giving the glory to God. So he was consumed with worms and died. So if you want to be worm food, take the glory away from God. Plain and simple, God said, I will share my glory with no one. Jesus called the people who did their charitable deeds to be praised of men hypocrites. Hypocrites. This is pretty strong language Jesus is using here. But that's what Jesus called them. And that's what he calls all those who are showboaters and the things that they do for God. The word hypocrite means to be an actor, playing the part of another. It was used of actors who acted out parts in plays on stages. Hypocrites, accurate, hypocrite accurately describes those who do their charitable deeds or anything else that they do for the praise of men. You see, they're trying to act the part of somebody who has done a lot more than they really have. Acting like they care about the poor when they're really only interested in themselves. That is something that we have to always be on the lookout for. It's a never-ending problem. It's, it, it's, it's it, it, uh, becoming a hypocrite because, you see, the sin of, of hypocrisy, it dwells in the old man. The sin of hypocrisy, it dwells in the old man. And now the old man, because he's under Christ, the old man is angry that he's not getting the praise he once used to. Because now he's the new man and Jesus Christ is getting all the praise and glory. But the old man doesn't like that. He still wants the praise. Jesus said that the man who receives the praise of men for their charitable deeds, he says, they have their reward. That's it. When you do that, that, that charitable deed for God, you give something to God and, and, and somebody says, oh, man, you, you gave a lot. There's your reward. Enjoy it. Because that's all you're going to get. The word have, when Jesus said they have their reward, the, re, the word have means receive in full. You have received in full your reward. Just in their words. That's what you wanted? You got it. Hope it was everything you wanted. Because that's all you're going to get. The praise that they were looking for, they received in full. How shallow and how temporal. There's no reward for them in the future. There's no heavenly reward. Think about it. What a terrible place to be empty-handed in heaven when it comes to God giving out the reward. You're standing there with empty hands while your brothers and sisters are, are, are just full of 
the way I picture it, the way I, filled with their hands with the rewards that God's given them. Now, well, what did you get? Oh, I got mine down there. How sad. See, like again, a, a barren desert, you have nothing to show for it. Empty-handed. Because what I wanted was, was on earth, and I got it. Verses 3 and 4. Jesus said, but when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will, <clears throat> will himself reward you openly. <clears throat> so here Je- Jesus basically gives us two requirements. Jesus says, when we do our charitable deeds, we're to reject public and personal attention. Jesus said, when you do your charitable deeds, he says, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is is doing. Now, this is the personal requirement. It also speaks about a public requirement because secret is the opposite of public attention. Our charitable deeds, as well as anything else that we do for the Lord, has to be done with better motives than to get people's attention. You see, God's attention attention is all that we need. God's attention is the only attention we should be interested in looking for. I want God to see what I do. Don't worry about who sees or doesn't see what you do. God sees everything we do. All that matters is that God sees and knows everything that we do, whether it's done in public or in private. Just because our charitable deeds are done in secret and out of the sight of people, that doesn't mean that God sees them, doesn't see them. And it also doesn't mean that they're never to be done in public. The obvious lesson is that Jesus is emphasizing here is that we're not to do things just so that people can see us do it. So some of the things we do will be seen by men. But it can't be helped. We even read where it said that Jesus said, let men see your good works, but that God gets the glory. So there are some things, there are good works that men will see us do. It can't be helped. Jesus is not condemning that. He's not condemning that men will see our good works. He's condemning the motive only for doing that charitable deed, for getting to get God's, to get people's praise, to get, oh, what a wonderful servant you are. We are to live in such a way that when men see us, they see the quality of our life, they see God. They glorify God. Jesus said, but when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. This is obviously another figure of speech. Here Jesus instructs us not to bring attention on our good works to the extent it puffs us up and causes self-praise and pride. Whenever we do a good work, we should think no more about it. It's done. Not pat ourselves on the back. It's done. Hey, what's next? Okay, Lord, what, what do you want me to do next? You know, we're not to keep a score, or make a list of, of all the things that we did in his name so later on we can pull it and go, oh, look, I, I did this and this and this. No. Do it. It's behind us. What's next, Lord? What do you want me to move on to now, Lord? So again, um, the Lord has it all recorded. The Lord has it all recorded. And Jesus said, And your Father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. God is faithful to reward his own people, his own children for their righteous behavior. 
Hebrews 6.10 tells us that God will not forget. He says that the unjust, he is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown toward his name, and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And from other places in the Bible, we learn that these rewards from God, they may come in this life or the next. Most of the rewards will come in eternity. At least the best rewards will. They'll be in eternity. They are the best rewards, the greatest rewards, the most satisfying and lasting rewards, those that we receive from God. These are the rewards that we should be looking for. These are the ones that we should desire above all others in this life. And Jesus said, he will reward you openly. Think about that. The most openly reward, the most openly rewarding we can imagine is that which will be done in heaven and in front of a great crowd of witnesses, cloud of witnesses. God may and can reward us openly here on earth. God will not miss out giving one single reward. He won't forget anybody. Hebrews 4.13 says, There is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Jesus knows our hearts, he knows our attitudes, and he knows our motives behind every single thing that we do. And every reward that is due us, we'll receive it. It's God's perfect plan and will to give rewards to those who faithfully trust and obey him. And it's not wrong or ungodly to expect and look forward to those rewards if we do it in a spirit of humility and thanksgiving, knowing, man, I don't deserve anything from God, and yet he's going to reward me. I don't deserve anything but hell. And knowing that God's rewards shows his grace to me. It's not that I'm so much a catch and that I'm a good guy and I just, no, it's showing his grace toward me because of who he is. Because I don't deserve it, I could never earn it. The greatest reward a Christian can have is knowing that he or she has pleased the Lord. As Jesus said, and as we should do, I do those things that please him. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for, for the lesson, God, that you have set before us. So now, Father, we've received the lesson, God. Help us now to go out and put it into action, God. God, help us to do because you want us to do it, but not for the things that we receive on earth, God. Not for man's praise, not for man's recognition, Father. And not so that we can pat ourselves on the back, Lord but we do it because it's evidence that we are a child of God. It's the evidence that I'm born again. As, as James said, we are to be doers of the word. And as James says, there's, there's works in faith. Works doesn't give us our faith. That's not how we get our faith, but as a result of our faith, works is evidence. It's fruit of our faith. It shows that we have a relationship with God. <clears throat> Maybe you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior. And you don't know how to give. 
maybe you don't want to give, don't like to give. The most important thing Jesus wants you to give is yourself to him. That's where it all starts. Giving him, giving Christ your life as he gave his for you. The worship team's going to lead us in a song of worship right now, and, and this time is for you to think about the message this morning. God gave everything he could possibly give for you and me. His son upon the cross, his life. And Jesus said, all that is mine, all that the Father has given me is yours. Don't hold on to the, the temporal and, and, and corruptible things of this life and lose the everlasting and, and satisfies things of the kingdom of God. As we worship, if you want to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, you get up out of your seat, make your way towards the steps up front. I'll meet you there, and when the song's over, we'll say a simple prayer of faith together.